Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. And so that's the purpose, is that you would get to know other parents that might be at your same school, and you, and you might not even know it, uh, that, that they went to the same area or same school, and we need each other for that. Um, feel free during the talk today to always get donuts or coffee or whatever you need. It doesn't really distract me. I probably won't call you down or anything like that if you need a donut. Um, for our media moment today, we're going to do something a little bit retro, and I thought it would be fun. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and jump in with that. Go ahead, Mark. See, we don't even need to have a discussion now, right? <laughs> now that you've seen that, I saw a lot of you taking notes, and you're ready. You're ready to go. Um, well, let me, let me ask you a few things uh, about that, all right? So what, what were some things? I'm sure all of you, that's your experience, right? Your daughter, when you come in, just wants to talk to you about love and ask you these deep questions, and, and then, uh, you know, you tell her you'll think about it, and come back later. I loved, did you notice the football helmet of the star? You know, it was just like that leather cap, you know? I mean, that, that video is pretty, pretty old. What, um, what are some things, though, that were good about the video? Or what, what were things that you noticed? I just want to see. It was intentional. Yeah, I think that is one of the things that is Amazing, And really, that's one of my main goals in having this discussion anyway with you all is uh, to be intentional, you know, with our parenting style, to engage. I know that I sound like a broken record that I say that every month, but that is such a thing that is so key and so important that we engage with our children on these things and that we are intentional about what we, you know, how, how we go about that. What else? Okay, the mother did not respond in fear or panic. She was, she was ready. And she, I mean, it caught her off guard a little bit. And I actually think it was pretty cool that she's like, let me get back to you on that. I don't think that's that big a deal. Sometimes your kids are going to hit you, A, with something maybe you don't feel prepared for, but B, they can hit you uh, when you're in a bad, you know, maybe you've had a horrible day and you're all stressed out or you haven't had a lot of sleep or you're in the middle of something. And in fact, that's usually when they will hit you with something, right, is when it's inconvenient. And so it's okay to say, hey, let's, let's, we can talk about that later. But we, the second part, though, is the mom did initiate doing that later. So if you, if you put your child off, make sure you go back and, and actually re-engage. What else? Clearly, this is a secular video, but did you think there was some truth to some of the things that she was saying? Um, you can find this on YouTube. It's, a, it's about 12 minutes long. It's kind of a hoot to watch the whole thing. Uh, they go on the double date, and they show all that, and everything that's going on in their minds, and it's, it's super hokey, um, but it's kind of fun. And this is, again, the kind of thing you could do with your child if you take your son or daughter on a date you could let them watch this, and then this kind of primes the pump for you to actually start talking to them about things. What's interesting is, considering this is an educational, secular video, there is um, a lot of truth and a lot of wisdom in some of the things that she shared. 
And I've actually done, you know, again, we won't have time to go into all this today. If you do a deep study on love in the Bible and different Greek words for love, almost every one of those she covered in the different types of love. So even a sec- from a secular perspective, those things are true, and even secular people in the 50s were like, okay, we see these different kinds of love, and the Bible spells those out. Um, you know, that, that physical kind of love is the eros, or eros, from which we get the word erotic, right? Uh, the brotherly kind of love or sisterly kind of love is the uh, phileo kind of love, um, which is a brotherly love. And, you know, she's kind of hinting at this agape love, which is the love that God loves us with, the love that's a choice, okay? But, you know, it's just interesting the way that she goes through that with her daughter, not even knowing those terms or those words and that all of that is in Scripture, a lot of it. So it's kind of interesting uh, and fun just to go through. Um, So why are we talking about this at all? Interesting, I had someone stop me in the hall this week because we had some little posters around. And she, uh, this is an, an older woman who is just very dear to me. And she, um, she said, why do we even have to talk about this? I saw you're talking about sex and dating. Can't you just, we don't even need, it just breaks my heart that you even have to talk about sex. And I said, yes, uh, to a degree, you're right. Except that it is, it's out, it permeates our culture. It permeates everything that we do. And we have to talk about it. We have to engage um, and, and talk about all of these different things. Um, constantly, I remind you of this verse from Deuteronomy, right, which says, how as parents are we supposed to engage? We're supposed to engage when we rise up and when we lie down, when we walk along the road, when we sit at home. Uh, your typical week, if it's anything like mine, I have a teenager at home, uh, three other kids, often the radio's on, you know, I rose up, and on the way to school, I might hear to flip on the radio, and if it's top 40 stuff, I might hear a song by Bruno Mars, which is really popular right now, okay? And in the main chorus, what is it saying? Does anybody know that song? Your sex takes me to paradise, okay? And you might even sing along with the song, because they hit it so quickly, you don't even hear, hear the word sex, really. You're just kind of like, you make me feel like... I've been locked out of heaven. You know that song? Have you ever heard it? It's a great song. I mean, it's catchy. They just did it on Glee, okay? Um, Not that I watch Glee, but I I happen to be flipping channels. I was flipping channels and went by Glee, and I'm like, wow, they already have that Bruno Mars song on, and and all these high schoolers up there dancing and singing, because your sex takes me to paradise. And I'm like, wow, okay. So when you drive along the road or walk along the road, there it is. When you sit at home, I was watching American Idol the other night. Uh, usually that's a pretty safe show at my house because it's just singing and critiquing, and, and uh, I have little kids, so that's a show that we watch regularly. And um, I haven't been keeping up with this season much. I've, I haven't had time, so I haven't watched many, many episodes. And there, suddenly one of, the, uh, one of the singers gets up on stage. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He's a transsexual. He's a guy in high heels and all this stuff, and I'm going, wow, okay, this is fun. Um, So it happens, and you have to teach and instruct and engage when you sit at home. And maybe at the end of the day, when you lie in bed, if you just want to relax your mind and you start flipping through a magazine, page after page through the magazine is going to be advertisements, right? And what are they selling? 
sexuality. They're saying, you need this product. You need this. And this is all around us. The reason that we talk about these things is the culture is teaching your kids every day what is proper about dating and sexuality. They are talking about it all the time. And the classroom is always in session. But because it's awkward or strange, we often keep silent. And we let the only teacher for our kids be the culture. And that is what happens. Um, How do I know this is true? Um, Several things. Uh, I was talking to um, one of our, we have several counselors who attend the church, and one of them, um, Hannah Reinhart, she was recently talking to one of her clients, a a student, and the student said this, if our parents don't talk to us, we're going to hear it from Vogue, the media, in style, etc. Okay? Again, they... If you aren't the loudest voice, they're going to hear the other voices. Um, I also uh, have a college student that is living in my basement right now, my niece, and I started, you know, because I knew we were talking about this, I said, hey, let's talk a little bit about your friends. What What is their lifestyle like in college concerning sexuality and dating? And one of the things that she brought up, and we've talked about it in here in the past, is cohabitation. Um, she knows two of her friends who claim to be Christians that are living with their boyfriend or girlfriend and think it's okay. So you may say to yourself, well, my kids would know that that's not okay. Have you had a conversation with them about it? Have you told them why it's not okay? Because that's a part of the problem. Sometimes when we, are, we, we raise our kids in the church, there's this, oh, well, my kids know they're not supposed to have sex before marriage. Do they know why they're not supposed to have sex before marriage, or do they just know they're not supposed to? Because if it's just the not supposed to, that's not going to carry them very far when they're in the heat of the moment. Um, what do you think, again, uh, the, the reason we talk about this, your kids are living in a secular world, and the whole, the whole point of this is when they become adults, when they leave your household, they're going to have to live in a secular world, and we want them to be salt and light, right, to the people around them. We want them to engage the culture. We want them to live victoriously in a non-Christian secular environment. And if that is what you are preparing them to do, how are you preparing them? What are you doing that's intentional about getting them ready to do this? Um, So let's think about that for a second. What do you think college students' dating life is like? Right? If that's your goal, I would say about 90 to 98% of people at Perimeter send their kids off to a four-year institution. Okay? At least that's my experience in the the high school ministry. Most people at our church would do that. So if you're going to take your child and drop them off at Kennesaw State or UGA or Alabama, or someplace like that, what, do you know what the atmosphere is like there? What's it like? Somebody tell me. Okay, it can be promiscuous. Your kids have absolute freedom for the first time. Right? So what are they doing with that freedom? Okay, there's lots of parties going on. Is there drinking at those parties? Is there drugs at those parties? 
Is there pornography in the dorm? Is there a filter on the dorm internet? No. Right now, probably, I would say in this room, there's not a filter on most of your kids' phones. You may have your house locked down, but their cell phone's not. Why do I know that? Because I talk to high school students. And when they struggle, it's on their phone. Because mom and dad don't check that. And the iPhone doesn't have a way to do it, really. Okay? So, you know, these are things you have to think about and be intentional. As technology, as freedom, as a, as a society that we are, what are we doing intentionally? And it's harder. You know, in some ways, we'd like to go back to that 50s thing, right? You know, where... Uh, uh, if you, if it's fun just to go back and read, like, what are the top 50 problems in, you know, school or top 10 problems par- uh, teachers had to deal with in school in the 50s? And it's like disrespect of, uh, or they didn't button their shirt all the way or tuck in their shirt or things, you know, it's just crazy things. Chewing gum, you know, and now it's like a war zone you go into a school. Uh, it's, it's very different. So thinking about what the goal is, the goal, right, is you're going to drop your child off at a school and you want to know that they're equipped, that they're prepared to handle that. And so let's, let's just kind of jump in and talk about a few things. Um, let me pray, too, before we, before we jump into that. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for these parents. And it's scary when we talk about these things. It's scary to think about um, the world we live in. It's very over-sexualized. Um, and sometimes, Lord, I just confess, I feel out of my depth in dealing with these things. But, Lord, I take confidence that you have called us to be parents for such a time as this. And you are still on your throne, and this doesn't concern you. Um, and you can equip us and will equip us, Lord. Uh, I pray for these parents that you give us wisdom, discernment, that you give us ease of conversation with our kids, um, that, that we would keep the lines of communication open. And Lord, be with us this morning that uh, as we talk about these things, that you would fill us with your spirit and teach us in Christ's name. Amen. You know, my own story in this area, it was pretty funny because um, I remember my mom, I was like in my 20s and I was home and a lot of my brothers and sisters were around. I'm the youngest of four kids. And my mom was saying, kind of bragging, well, I'm so glad that we all talked openly about sexuality and dating and stuff growing up, to which I was really kind of floored because I don't remember a single conversation, not one. And then it occurred to me, well, I'm, my, my oldest sister is eight years older than me, my other sister was six years older, my brother was four years older, and so probably they were sitting around the table in junior high and high school having this discussion, and I was in the other room playing with G.I. Joes. That's what I think was going on. And so she does remember having the conversation, and she did, and maybe it was just the conversation. Maybe it was one conversation. But I kind of missed out. Most of what I learned about sexuality and dating, I I learned completely in the locker room from my friends and things like that. There was no engagement in these issues. Um, And so I... And, and I was thinking about dating-wise, too. I don't think I had girlfriends all through junior high. We did talk about that. But we didn't, you know, the dating parameters in high school and stuff, I, I just don't remember having set really hard and fast rules. And 
I think that's an interesting thing. If I were to go around the room today and say to each one of you, what, is your, what are your rules for dating? They would be very different, probably even within this room. Some of you might be on one far end that is like um, courting, okay? We might, our, our daughter's going to, you know, kind of uh, do a courting thing. That's possible, certainly, in a, in a group this size that you would be on the, you know, she's going to live at home until she gets married, and, and that is alive and well in American Christianity today, okay? Um, you might be on the other end where you, you not talk to your kids at all, and they kind of do what they want. Okay, that's a pretty big range. Uh, as far, some of you might be, well, you have to be 16 before you go on a car date. Some of you, like, you have to be 35 before you can go on a car date, right? It's going to be a lot of different things in here, depending on where you are, depending on what's going on. And so, you know, again, we want to talk about this. One of the lies of our culture is that your kids, that you don't have a lot of say in this kind of thing when your kids become teenagers. Uh, every study that I looked at over the week as I prepared for this said that you are the most influential voice in your children's life concerning sexuality and dating, and that they want to talk to you about it. Well, actually, that, that part might be wrong. They may not want to talk to you about it, but you're still the most influential voice, okay? Um, and, and what you do and how you model these things and, and what you say is what is affecting them and their attitudes about these different subjects. Um, so let's talk about dating. What is your strategy? Um, Chip and I, Chip Sweeney over here, he's, he's my boss, and he, um, it's funny that he's here today for me to quote him, but he and I had this kind of this running joke that when, you know, when someone comes and wants to date my daughter, that the first thing I'm going to say to her is, you know, have you ever met a man who's not afraid to go to prison? Because you have now, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of that opening line, right? Or we've all heard of the dad who sits there and polishes his gun, okay? So, um, you know, that might be what your strategy is. Uh, there is, many of you have probably seen this. Let me see if I can find it without getting too lost. Um, there is an application for permission to date my daughter. Have any of you seen that online? It's very fun. If you just Google it, you can find about 10, 10 different versions of it. Uh, you know, it's got the normal stuff, name, birth, height, social security, um, driver's license number. Uh, then it goes down and talks. it gets a little more interesting. Do you have access to a van, yes or no? <laughs> Do you own a waterbed, yes or no? <laughs> Do you have a pickup with a mattress in the back, yes or no? Uh, do you have a tattoo? Do you have earrings, nose ring, pierced tongue, pierced cheek, a belly button ring? If you answered yes to any of the above, discontinue application and leave the premises immediately. <laughs> I suggest running, it says. In 50 words or less, what does late mean to you? In 50 words or less, what does don't touch my daughter mean to you? In 50 words or less, what does abstinence mean to you? What's the church you attend? You know, and then there's places for your mother and father to sign. If shot, in the last place I would want to be shot would be. <laughs> if I were beaten, the last bone I would want broken would be. A woman's place is in the... And you keep answering these things. Um, the one thing I hope this application does not ask me if. Uh, what do you want to do if you grow up? When I meet a girl, the first thing I always notice about her first is. 
the current going rate of a hotel room. Um, and it keeps going, mother and father. It's very funny. If you go down through here, there's a place for fingerprints. Please allow up to six years for processing. Um, let's see. Then he goes down, and there's, at the end of this one, it has daddy's rules for dating, and some of those are pretty fun, too. If you pull into my driveway and honk, you better be delivering a package because you are sure not picking anything up. Rule number two. Uh, don't touch my daughter in front of me. You may glance at her as long as you do not peer at anything below the neck. If you cannot keep your eyes or hands off my daughter's body, I will remove them. <laughs> um, let's see, rule four, kind of funny. Uh, I'm sure you've been told that in today's world, sex without utilizing a barrier method of some kind can kill you. Let me elaborate when it comes to sex. I'm the barrier and I will kill you. <laughs> um... Yeah, okay, let me see. There's just a couple more. They're pretty funny. Um, let's see, rule seven. No, 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 rule eight. I like this one. The following places are not appropriate for a date with my daughter. Places where there are beds, sofas, or anything softer than a wooden stool. Places where there is darkness. Places where there is dancing, holding hands, or happiness. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Hockey games are okay. Old folks' homes are better. Um, let's see. Yeah, this one. Rule nine, do not lie to me. I may appear to be slow, pot-bellied, balding, middle-aged, and dim-witted. But on issues relating to my daughter, I am the all-knowing, merciless God of the universe. And if I ask you where you're going and with whom, you have one chance to tell me the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I have a shotgun, a shovel, and five acres behind the house. Do not trifle with me. And then the last one, be afraid, be very afraid. It takes very little for me to mistake the sound of your car in the driveway for a chopper coming over the rice paddy near Hanoi. <laughs> and when my Agent Orange starts acting up, the voices in my head frequently tell me to clean the guns and wait for you to bring my daughter home. And as soon as you pull in the driveway, you should exit the car with both hands in plain sight, speak the perimeter password, announce in a clear voice that you have brought my daughter home safely and early then return to your car. There is no need for you to come inside. And the last line is awesome. The camouflaged face in the window is mine. <laughs> All right, so I just think that's a fun one. Again, a great starter for you. If you go out with your son or daughter to sit down and talk to them and read that, and it kind of breaks the ice, right? Because you're just having fun, sharing something, and then you're like, this is funny, but it's real, okay? Um, <laughs> What does the Bible say about dating? If the Bible is our only rule of faith and practice, dating in America, what does the Bible have to say? Not much. Actually, almost nothing. <laughs> so that is a very hard thing. Even as I prepare for this, you know, I never want what I share with you in here just to be my own voice talking. Uh, you'll notice on the sheet that we gave you, I've listed tons of passages of Scripture that talk about relationships and marriage. And again, if this were a marriage seminar, I could talk for weeks on these different Scriptures, okay? And we're not going to have time to go over a lot of these today. Uh, other, so, but they are there as a resource for you. Many of you would be aware of those already. Um, so the Bible doesn't say a lot about dating. If you are going to talk about the parameters... Um, with your son or daughter, what are your expectations? Set your expectations. What are your expectations on texting? 
on how often they see one another, on parameters, where they go, when they go, who they go with. Is it okay for them to be alone? What are the parameters? Again, these are the kinds of things that I would say my parents, again, I I don't remember, and I had great parents, but I don't remember them instructing me on this. I was alone with my girlfriend all the time. And that's not a healthy thing, I realized as an adult. It was not a wise thing. For example, group dating, if, you, if dating is a part of your strategy to prepare your son or daughter for life in college, and you're going to do that in high school, then dating where they're always in public is not a bad strategy, or at least a part of your strategy, right? Hey, you want to go with your friends to the mall? Okay, I'll drop you off. I'll pick you up. You're at the mall. I know who you're with. You're in public. Most people don't have sex in public. Um, now, does that mean they can't get into trouble if they really, really want to? No, they can get in trouble if they want to. They can find a place that's quiet and alone if they really want to. You can do things to prepare them. The heart is still the main thing that you want to go after. You still want to go after their heart, that they want purity. They want to pursue purity. Um, they want, uh, and that's why having these discussions is important to talk about as you go through. Um, Texting, what's an appropriate number of texts for a high school sweetheart? Do you know how many texts your kids are sending a day? Um, for a, a way this came up recently, uh, I know of a really handsome guy who, who uh, just went from the eighth grade into high school, and I'm, I was kind of concerned about him um, because girls are much more aggressive now than they were when I was in high school. Um, and I, I was talking to someone who was, had one of our staff who was actually in this student's life, so they were talking about these things regularly, and I said, you know, what's going on? And within six months of being at a new high school, he had five girls texting him nonstop during the day, every day. Five different girls. You know, are you talking about with your kids about that kind of thing? Are you saying, hey, you know, probably... Uh, you don't have to be in a nonstop conversation. And that's what texting is. I mean, this is a different thing than, you know, when we were young, uh, someone called the house, right? Your mom answered the phone. Uh, they knew exactly how long you talked because everybody needed to use the same phone, <laughs> right? I mean, it was annoying if you were on the phone for an hour because dad needed to make a call. And, uh, and, and there was no, I mean, even call waiting didn't happen until later on. I mean, you know, so... It's crazy to think about how things have changed. Now, if your child has a phone, they're getting phone calls, and you don't know when they're talking or how much or how much they're texting. You don't know what is, you know, are you aware of what's happening and, and how appropriate that is? Does the phone, cell phone, stay in a public place in your living room at night, or is it in their bedroom? Because then they could be talking or texting or turn on the FaceTime in the middle of the night. Are you aware of that? Technology has opened the door to so many things that we have to talk about now that we didn't have to talk about in the past. And because you and I grew up in the past, we might not think about it. We might not think, hey, wait a second. We really need to say you don't need to have FaceTime. I mean, think about that. It's a camera. You just set your cell phone up, and you've got a camera on you. um, With your boyfriend... (laughs) You know, video chatting, what can happen there? A lot of, there's dangers there. You need, to, you need to make sure they're discussing those things. Um, 
So if you don't define what these things are, then your child will define them. If you don't define what's appropriate texting protocol or how often you talk or whether you use FaceTime or whether you can talk at 2 in the morning, your child will define that. They'll just figure it out, and they'll do what seems appropriate to them and their children, right? (laughs) So they're not going to uh, make that decision in a way that necessarily would agree with you. Um, We already talked about encouraging group dating. Guarding your heart. You've got to talk to them about that. You've got to talk to them about heart issues as much as physical behavioral issues. What is going on in their heart? Uh, We believe... And Scripture teaches that love is a choice and love is an action, right? The Bible wouldn't say love uh, your neighbor as yourself, love your enemy, if it was just an emotion that you fell into. All of Hollywood is telling you that, that every TV show, book, everything just tells you that you see this person, something happens instantly, you come, get overwhelmed with emotion, and you just fall into this thing called love, and that you don't have any control over it. And that's what the culture is screaming, and the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that love is a choice. Love is an action. Love is uh, an exertion of your will towards that other person, okay? And it goes beyond the physical, right? The physical fades. Um, Things happen. We have to have these conversations. Um, How crazy this can be, and I know we all are trying to think about how to do this and navigate these waters. Uh, I heard of a a family, and I've heard this more than once over the last 10 years, let's say, of a family who uh, said to their daughter, I will give you on your wedding day a $10,000 check if your first kiss is your wedding kiss. Okay? Let that sink in for a second. Some of you, when I say that, are going, wow, that's a great idea. I think it's a horrible idea. Why why is that a horrible idea? Or I just, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't really like it. Why why would we, why should we maybe have a problem with that? Anybody? Okay, it doesn't address the heart at all. It's really a very legalistic, pharisaical approach to parenting. It says, I want to control this behavior, and therefore I will put a carrot out there that will maybe get the behavior that I want. What could happen instead in that situation, okay? If that daughter wants to be legalistic about it, what could she do? You could do lots of things without kissing. She could be like, only on the cheek, but everything else is wide open, right? Okay, that uh, strategy that does not address the heart is not a strategy. And I happen to know that dad was really proud that he came up with that. He was very excited about it. Um, And it doesn't even address the heart. It doesn't address who that daughter is. It doesn't address going into deeper issues about how God's made her and what marriage really is and things like that. And so thinking through deeply about having these conversations, um, what is the purpose of dating in the first place? Let's let's do some Q&A. Kami, I don't think you have to carry that around because I'll just repeat what they say, and so I don't think we'll we'll have to do that. Somebody tell me, what is the purpose of dating? 
okay, to find a mate. Is that the main, would we all define it as that? Is there anybody who has something to add? To get to know someone? Okay, so kids, kids may think that to do that is to be popular or uh, to fit in with a group. What else? Have fun? Okay, to kind of see, hey, what, what kind of person would I want to marry? And try to figure out a little bit about different personality types, what you like and don't like. I, I think I certainly benefited from that in dating. That would be one of the positive things that I, I did. I, I learned, well, I don't want to, if I see that in somebody, I don't, don't want to be around that. What else? Okay, you do learn communication skills, things like that, that are positive. You can learn commitment, right? Um, there's certainly a lot of things going on, but I... I do tend to think ultimately we kind of go to the first thing is if, is dating is primarily about finding someone uh, to marry. And so then you do have to ask the question when it comes to high school dating, um, how, how many high school students get married? How many people marry their high school sweetheart? Does anybody know the stat on that? Somebody give me a percentage. It's two, two percent marry their high school sweetheart, and of course of that, we don't know how many stay married, um, you know, so that, that could be uh, a different thing. Um, so thinking about that, talking about that, um, now, but part of the purpose that we're talking about this, it's not unrealistic, though, to believe, again, if your son or daughter, they need to develop these skills, though, while they're at home, because they're going to the university. And so when they get to the university, it is realistic to think they will meet their spouse at the university. Again, I, I, the numbers are changing. People are getting married older and older. It's in at the 27 to 29 range is now the average for men and women to get married now in the United States. So, but a lot of people still meet their spouse in college, right, or grad school. So equipping them in order to know how to navigate these waters, in order to find a community to establish themselves with, um, those are things that we want to do. And so how, what are you and I doing to prepare them for that? Uh, and, and let me even throw in a little caveat here. I've known many parents who over the years have told their son or daughter, if you get married in college, I will cease to pay for college. Now, some of you, again, I don't want to know whether that's your strategy or not, um, but I want to point out again, you're, you're trying, A, we're trying to control behavior that way, and you do have influence, and that is like one of your last cards to play, right? As a parent, you control the purse strings of college, most of you, or many of you will. But what does Scripture say about that? You do need to make sure that um, what you're doing when it comes to these kinds of things, if you, what do you, let's just follow this trail all the way down the road. Your son or daughter gets in a very serious relationship. You really like the person, and you say you cannot get married until after college, what is probably going to happen physically in that relationship? Do you think they're going to wait four years if they meet their freshman year before they have sex? So are you saying, I, it's, I want you to be single all the way through college, 
and have premarital sex, and then you can marry that person because I won't pay for it. You need to think, again, think your strategy through all the way. What are you asking them to do? What brings God the most glory? Um, we have a lot of fear that can drive us. Oh, man, if they get married, they're going to drop out of school. They're not going to complete what's going on, things like that. It's possible. But, again, knowing the heart, knowing where they are, is, is that's why you engage and know who they are and know that they know your values and things like that. Um, it can go a different way. I got married before college, believe it or not. And Cammie and I both have our master's degrees and did it all married. And I made straight A's the whole time because I was married. <laughs> there can be some benefits to being married in college. You know, the funny thing about it is uh, me, uh, I was married all through college. And Matt Lucanbill, I think, got married his freshman or sophomore year of college. Uh, you know, both your junior high and your high school director at this church were married all through college. And we did just fine. <laughs> and we still got our degrees. So it can happen. Um, so think that through. Why should your son or daughter date, not date a non-believer? Again, if you don't define that for them, they will just go, well, I know we're not supposed to, but I don't know why. So they're gonna, they're, they might be interested. Well, but I really like him, and he's funny. And if they think the purpose of dating is companionship, or it's to fit in with a cool crowd, there's nothing wrong with dating a non-Christian, right? And then they give their heart over to him or her, and then, they're in, and then they get physically involved, and now you have kind of a train wreck, right? It can, it can end up that way. These are things that we need to talk about, we need to engage, um, we need to get into. Let's move the discussion quickly to, to sexuality. I've got some statistics from a, an article, and I've, I've linked the article on that page for you. It's called The, the Sex is Cheap. Um, what this article talks about is fascinating, is it's done by a, a sociologist at the University of Texas, and he talks about the fact that um, we have a trend in the United States that, uh, and it uses economic theory, right, supply and demand. When the supply is high, uh, what happens to the cost? It goes down, right? Um, did you know things are trending in a very scary way uh, in sexuality in the United States? Girls are giving away sex at a very cheap price. And there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, one is the availability of quality men, uh, where a lot of your kids and my kids are going to go to school and stuff, is very, has dropped. Did you realize only 43% of American undergraduates today are men? And that is trending down even more. 43%. So that means when you get to college, 60% are girls, and they're all looking for a guy. Well, you and I know if 43% are men, how many of those men are really worth having? Come on. All right? It drops. So if there's only a small percentage of available, good-looking, solid Christian guys, and half of them are in relationships, and you're competing with 10 other girls for that relationship, what happens? Right? Is they can use sexuality in order to get or keep a man Despite the fact that women are holding the sexual purse strings, they aren't asking much in return. The market price is very low. Uh, the growing imbalance between the number of successful young women and successful young men, as a result in many places where young people typically meet on college campuses, religious congregations, and cities, which draw large numbers of 20-somethings, women outnumber men by significant margins. In one Manhattan zip code, 
for example, women account for 63% of 22-year-olds in one part of Manhattan. What do you think the price of sex is in Manhattan at that place? Uh, the girls that are looking for somebody to date. Um, 36% of young men's relationships add sex by the end of the second week of exclusivity. The second week. In addition, 13% more do so by the end of the first month. And a second indicator that sex is cheap is the share of young men's sexual relationships, 30% that don't even involve romance at all. No wooing, no dates, no nothing. That's called a friend with benefits. It's just somebody that you hook up with, and there's not even a romantic relationship there. It's just about sex. This last one, uh, it's no surprise the percentage of 25 to 34-year-olds who are married has shrunk by an average of 1% each year over the last decade. Now think about that. That is a scary statistic to me. Let me read it again. The percentage of 25 to 35-year-olds who are married has shrunk by 1% per year. That is a serious trend. People are single, and they are single longer, and they are cohabitating. And it is big time uh, what's happening. There's a great article also on there, and it goes into this, on uh, a podcast by Tim Keller um, that is also listed on your resource sheet that I encourage you to listen to. You will not regret it. It's free. You just go on iTunes podcast. It's uh, under Redeemer Church, I think. But uh, you will want to listen to that. It's an excellent, excellent um, article. So... um, Have you broached the subject of sex? Have you had a birds and bees talk with your kids? And we, it's even a misnomer that we would say it's a birds and bees talk. It's a one-time thing. You really need to be engaging with your son or daughter multiple times over the course of their teenage years. From the time you think they're old enough and it's age appropriate to start this conversation, you need to engage with them on a regular basis because they're going to continually be, again, taught by the culture. And we as the church and we as parents avoid it because it's uncomfortable and it's hard and and they don't want to and we don't want to. And that's a bad combination, right? They don't want to talk about it and we don't want to talk about it. And so we don't talk about it. And the culture never stops talking about it. And so it is getting in their head whether we think that it is or not. Um, You can have a birds and bees weekend. Um, The other thing, just as a rule of thumb, if if your kids... and and this, this is huge depending on, you know, what's going on in your household. If your kids are all in public school, you probably need to have that conversation earlier. And I'm just saying this as a general rule of thumb. You, you know your child better than I do, okay? So, but they're just exposed to a more worldly environment if they're in public school. Again, there's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just a reality, okay? They're going to hear, and it's live and well, don't get me wrong, in private school too, and even in homeschool. But it tends to be, I'm giving you trends, broad trends, it tends to be the more sheltered, if you're like at a private Christian school or if you're homeschooled, you tend to not be as exposed to as much. And so you can have that conversation a little bit later or start that conversation. Um, But just keep that in mind. Same thing with pornography when we talk about that, is you want to have those conversations earlier if your children are in a very secular environment younger, okay? Uh, things are trending much younger than they used to. I used to, as a youth pastor, never want to talk about sexuality until at least freshman year or beyond, sex and dating. But now, I would say, just the way the culture's changed, you probably need to start having that conversation as early as seventh grade, okay? Or even younger, depending on where your kid is and who they're exposed to and what's going on. 
you know, so these things are just to keep in mind. Um, one of the things I've seen, and I'm going to uh, talk about Randy and Allison Collins. Some of you may know them. Uh, Randy is an elder here and has worked with our youth ministry for years, and I've talked to him about this. I think he's done a fantastic job. He does, he has a very intentional strategy about doing this with his kids. He has three trips that they do with each one of their children. Um, and again, I'm not saying you have to do trips. This is just a model, but I think we can learn from it. Uh, they do a, at 10 years old, they go on a trip at 13, and then when they graduate. So he takes each son at 10, at 13, and when they graduate, and his wife, uh, they have one daughter, takes their daughter at each one of those things. And he says he has three talks that he does. When they're 10, he does the what does it mean to be a man talk. He starts that conversation. I think it's fantastic. Then he says, what are your strengths and weaknesses as, as the parents see them? You know, because obviously as parents, we don't see everything. But what are those strengths and weaknesses? And he has a conversation about that. Now, with his kids, he, at 13 is when he had the sex talk. Again, it depends on, as I said, where your kid is. Um, then they had a sex talk when they're 13, and they do all three of those talks again when they're 18 and leaving home to go to college. I think that's just really intentional. It's very smart. And um, the other thing he said, because I talked to him about it this week, is when he does the sex talk, he makes sure they're in the car on a long drive. Because think about it. If you're in a hotel room sitting on a double bed staring at your child, that might be a little bit, they might want to jump out the window, okay? That might be difficult for them. But if you're on a long drive, there's things to look at, there's just some distraction, they don't have to stare you in the eye the whole time, and they can have this conversation, but you're kind of, there's really nowhere to go, too. There's, there's no major distractions, and, and, and they have this conversation. And he says... Um, Things that they do, he, he starts out by just saying, what do you know? What have you heard? What do you think about sex? What do you know about it? And just kind of gets them to share things that they've heard or, or, or what, what, where they're already at. Um, he, he says, what, what is God's idea of sex? And then he goes in and describes the, you know, what a beautiful gift it is. He lets them ask questions. You know, what are the questions that you have? Uh, he said uh, one of his kids asked tons of questions, you know, and a couple of his other kids asked like one each, like no questions <laughs> or one question. So you might get a broad spectrum there if you do something like this. But I think it's a great idea. Um, it don't have to do it this way. You could have multiple conversations around your kitchen table. You could take your son or daughter on a date once a week or once every other week or once a month and, and use some of that time to do it. Uh, there's lots of different models. But again, the main point is you define sexuality for them. And don't just talk about the negatives. That's where, again, one of the reasons I gave you the scripture and stuff, you have to go into God's idea for sex. What is the plan? Why is it there? What is beautiful? I mean, it's a beautiful design that God has given us for intimacy, for connection, uh, that we only have with one person. It's like the glue that helps us bond to our spouse. And we need to go into that on a, on a regular basis with our kids um, and talk to them about it, because what Satan does, he doesn't create anything. He just takes the things God creates and warps them, right? And then and you take an opportunity to describe sex as not something to, to be shied away from. It's a beautiful gift of God. But that Satan takes it and warps it and makes it about objectifying and makes it about, makes it selfish and, and different things like that. And, you, and you, we need to go into all of those things. Uh, the, the other thing, if you do this, these kind of, these trips or these, these intentional times, then you become 
a safe person to talk to. You start the dialogue. You kind of get the ball rolling with your kids in these areas. Don't underestimate prayer. This is the other thing Randy told me to make sure and mention, and I would agree with that. Um, we need to explain the whys of the biblical decision, like I said, not just, not just the do's and don'ts. That sex is something that is a spiritual, physical, psychological connection. There's so much more going on. Because what is the culture saying? Does the culture say that? The culture says it's entirely a physical thing. And that it's really all about you. And the Bible says, no, it's much deeper than that. It involves a physical, spiritual oneness that is taking place. And it's really all about them. It's not about you. Okay? Um, We need to talk to our kids about how drinking and things like that affect their judgment. Right? Your son or daughter may have every intention of never failing in that area, but if they go get wasted at a party... Their, their judgment is completely uh, hampered, and they might do something that they never intended to do. Um, you may consider having a contract or a promise ring or a weekend like that where you do something like that. Some statistics, I will say this, do not support that the long-term uh, progress of that. Like if you do a promise ring kind of weekend and things, uh, a lot of the, the statistics for that aren't stronger than if they don't. But, I do, but some statistics show that they do wait longer and have fewer. It, it gives them some energy to, to, to make it farther and longer without it. Um, but again, I, and I just want to throw this out there for you to think about. Married young is not necessarily a bad thing for sexual purity. It's, it's considered a bad thing in our culture. We just need to ask ourselves, what does the Bible say about it? I'm not defining that for you. I'm just saying... We need to think about that and allow that idea in our heads that if your child gets married younger, it's not the end of the world necessarily as far as their purity goes. Um, I want to close and, and give some time for questions here. Um, again, there's, uh, it, let me l- talk about these resources real quick. The National Campaign is a secular website that just has amazing statistics. There is a I got so lost on there this week. There's a 30-page survey they did of girls in Seventeen Magazine, senior girls, and it asked them tons of questions. I mean, it's 30 pages long, and I could have spent this whole time just going over those statistics with you, and it would have been fascinating, okay? If you want to read that, again, that's a secular website that's really against pregnancy, and but it just asks, but it's not a Christian website, but there's some interesting information on there. Um, Sex is Cheap is that article I quoted from by Mark Regneris, and there's a, a, a link to that. Raising a Modern Day Night is the book that Randy Collins used to help prepare for his weekends with his sons. Okay, I have not read that book, but I've heard many people suggest it and recommend it over the years, and so um, I give you that. Million Dollar Mate, written by some guy around here that some of you may know. Um, I've heard it's helpful. Um, the Tim Keller podcast, which I mentioned, and then I've listed a lot of scripture, and that's not an exhaustive list of scripture that you might want to go to. There's certainly more. If you feel uh, ill-equipped, there are certainly lots of things. Uh, if you go to the bookstore here and ask, I'm sure they can help you out. If you want to sit and talk to me or uh, you know, someone on staff about, you know, if you're just saying, hey, I do want to talk positively about sexuality, what does the Bible say? I'd be glad to meet you for coffee and talk about it for a long time and, and try to help in that area. Again, I don't have all the answers, but, but the Bible does in general. Um, 
I want to close with this. Where am I in this with my own kids? You know, getting ready for this, I realized that um, with Tirza, my oldest daughter, she's a freshman, I've not done a great job uh, of this as like I should, and partly because like at, at Perimeter, they do a great job. They have this person come in, and she does this sex talk, and it's like infamous if, you, if you're around here, and, um, and she does it a great job, but my daughter's heard that, and so she, it, it, she gets uncomfortable. She doesn't want to talk about it. And so when we first started trying to engage her on this, she was like, no, I don't want to talk about it, ew, you know, and we're just like, okay, well, you know, she's not really dating anybody, she's not interested in, in it right now at this stage, and so we've been okay, but I've realized as I prepared, I've not been okay with that. I'm still, I am abdicating and letting, letting the culture define for her these things. And so I told her this weekend, I was like, all right, no more, gloves are coming off, we're talking about this whether you want to or not. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but we're doing it. And we're going to engage. Okay, The Purity Code, if you want to write that down. That is a book that is recommended that you went through. And you said the last few chapters were uncomfortable. Extremely uncomfortable. uncomfortable, (laughs) But it forced you to have those conversations. And you, every question. They're there. there. Okay. That's a great strategy. What she she said for the sake of the, the podcast is the author then is telling them the hard things, and you're just kind of facilitating, right? But the author's saying some of the hard things. So they read one chapter a week, and then you guys discussed it, right? One chapter at a time. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, a great uh, recommendation. Um, the other thing that I, I learned to realize is I've got to set aside a time for Jace, who's 11, to do my weekend with him. Um, you know, again, he seems so young, and he's in fifth grade, and it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, but I got to start that conversation. So um, that's where I'm at personally. Uh, do you guys, any other questions? Uh, we can open up the floor. We have about 10 or 15 minutes if you guys have any questions for me or suggestions. or That we're comfortable with talking about it with him so that as he hear thi- hears things, he can come to us and ask us about it, and it's not weird and it's not awkward um, because, like you said, Hopefully, we're the biggest influence in his life right now on that topic. So for us, it's also about just opening that communication and making him feel comfortable coming to us with the things that he's going to hear. Yeah, very, very good. Just say that, again, that's what I was saying earlier. If you are in a public school setting, just knowing reality of it is they're, they're exposed to more things, and you want to define those things for them. Yeah, up here. How do you have the conversation you know, you should date believers? Yeah. When there aren't that many male believers at this age in high school, too, and how do you handle? Yeah, but you married Daddy before he was a believer, and it turned out well. Yeah, those are good ones. Wow, I might not have a good answer for that. Um, I will say this: there is a there is a man crisis. We've discussed that again. If you want to go back and listen to the podcast, we've spent a lot of time talking about the man crisis in our culture, and I think. Um, as the pastor of high school boys that I interact with regularly, I will tell you, it is rough. Um, a lot of guys are not growing up uh, until they're 30. And I mean, you laugh, but I'm, I was serious about that. I, I'm not really kind of exaggerating there, which I tend to do, but I'm not exaggerating. 25 or 30 now is the end of adolescence, or 25 is what a lot of books are saying now, um, that adolescence is extended, and it does affect boys a lot. Uh, more for some reason, and I think this has to do a lot with, there's a lot of factors there 
um, that we don't have time to go into. But, but there is. I mean, I, I've, we've had many uh, Christian, I mean, not uh, like a dance, like a prom. Every year this comes up at prom time here. Uh, girls at Johns Creek or wherever, you know, and they... And all the boys don't even want to go, don't even ask anybody. And so the girls are just kind of like, hey, we, we want to go to this dance. And the guys are like, yeah, I don't know. Right, and so that nobody asks them, and they, are, they don't, and it is hard. Um, I don't have a great answer for that other than uh, there is a, an answer for the other one, actually, because it's in Scripture, right, about, about, well, you married dad, and it turned out. What does Scripture say in, in 1 Corinthians 7? It says, hey, unmarried spouse, unmarried, you know, you don't know if your husband or wife is going to become a believer because of you, right? You do not know if that's going to happen. And if it turned out well in your marriage and in your life, that's fantastic. But I'll tell you what, I can give you a list of people to call where it didn't turn out well or it hasn't yet. And they, the very the ultimate thing of their life who they are and, and, and what is the most important thing to them, which is their relationship with Christ, is something that is a stranger to the person that they live their life with. And it's tragic. And many of you may, some of you may even be in that situation. And um, so it does work out. My dad actually had the same thing. My dad and my mom got married. My mom was not real. When they started dating, she was not really a believer. But that's not, the, that's not always the case. And so uh, I would... Maybe talk to somebody who is married to an unbeliever and see how that, and have your daughter talk to that person. Um, yeah, to see what that is like. Because, again, those real life stories and are more powerful than if we just say that's happening out there somewhere. But if you're like, no, let's go have coffee with my friend. And then you and you're all having coffee together or tea and, and sitting down at Starbucks and then your friend can really share what it's like. Uh, that's married to an unbeliever, it can be very different. Over here, yeah. Yeah, I, I do see a trend where guys, particularly in the groups that I work with, they're not interested in dating at all. I mean, it's just, I ask why, too much drama. I don't want the drama. And at some level, it's like they want to be group friends, which I kind of like, but I also want them, particularly my kids, I want them to kind of learn while they're in my house that we can talk through those. So, so how do you... What, what do you do about that? I mean, I, I'd like to see kids with girlfriends in their home, you know, while they're at home in high school, and you can talk through some of the issues before they get off, you know, to college, and then it's a little different discussion. Yeah, I do, I do think this is a difficult, because, I mean, it goes back to what you're saying, that there's no quality guys to date, and, and how, how, do you, how do you broach that subject? I'll say years ago, we actually had a D group leader who he did, uh, he's, he set up, uh, he had his five guys that he had already been their D group leader for like four years, and he had another girls group come over, and they had like a date, you know, like, and he, they talked about everything, and they, yeah, and they went, and, and, and it wasn't, obviously they weren't connected, but in real life, but they kind of role played this date thing that they did together, and it gave an opportunity for some of that thing. Again, you can engage in media, and that's where we really fail a lot of times is when we're watching a TV show and something is expressed, like a guy and a girl cohabitating, we just watch it and we just consume the entertainment without addressing it. You know, you can address some of this stuff with them uh, in, in that regard as, as well. And you're right, there is, we have a pretty strong culture here at Perimeter of not dating, I would say. 
uh, there's many, many kids who don't date at all. And again, I think in a lot of ways, like you, that's, that's good. It can be refreshing to see that. Um, uh, Matt Brinkley used to define a date as a divine appointment, divine appointment to edify, which was that you treat them like, you know, they're a brother or sister in Christ, and how can you edify them? And I do think when they date or if they date, that is one of the things that I always tell students because they'll say, wow, I'm dating this person. Should I keep dating them or not? I had this conversation with a girl when Randy did his sermon series on marriage. One of our girls was dating a guy for many months and felt like they were not in a healthy place. And, of course, that shows you how, how mature she was because she realized that as a junior in high school that maybe she should get out of this relationship. So we talked about it. And I said, you know, I think one of the best rules of thumb is, is your dating relationship healthy, is does that boyfriend or girlfriend draw you closer to Christ? Do they make you better? Do they encourage you towards righteousness? That's a great rule of thumb. Does your girlfriend or boyfriend encourage you towards righteousness, or together do you kind of go away from righteousness? That's an unhealthy high school or college relationship. Um, I encourage accountability relationships is something you're going to have to do as well and teach them to find accountability themselves because you won't be there in college. And so who is holding them accountable, getting involved in, in Christian ministry and things like that right off the bat so they have people holding them accountable uh, is, is a key thing. But I don't know the answer totally, Griff, to what you're saying as far as this idea, I, I, I do see the value in them doing it. Again, most of the things I say in here are you want your kids to fail when they live at home because when they're 300 miles away at a university, you're not there. So I would rather them go through some of these things while they're in my home. And so I think that is a, a better strategy. But uh, maybe you have to set them up on some blind dates. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, uh, it is not an easy thing. Because as parents, we'd rather not deal with it. I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, it's easier for me if they don't want to date. Like right now, where Tears is at, uh, now she's a freshman. She's on the younger end. I'm not worried about it yet. She's got a lot more time here. But if she were a senior and had never been on a date and never had a boyfriend, never talked about a boy, there's a part of me that would start being like, hey, wait a second. I'm a little bit concerned here. Um, you know, because then she goes off to school and has to figure it all out by herself. And I don't, I don't want that. So... It is, it is a real problem, and I don't, I don't have the answer to that. Anybody else? All right. Let me, let me just close this in prayer, and um, um, we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. I do pray that you would equip us and help us to engage and be intentional about things we teach our kids. Lord, we do pray for wisdom, uh, discernment, and, and clear lines of communication. Um, we know that you have a plan uh, for marriage. You have a plan for sexuality that is healthy and good and beautiful. And uh, we want to uh, teach our kids that and that their hearts would be changed and that they would be 100% sold out for you and that that would guide all of their relationships when it comes to dating and sexuality. Um, Lord, we're, we're going to mess up. We are not going to do everything perfectly, but we know that you love our kids more than we do. And we pray that you would save them, first of all, that they would know you as Lord and Savior, and that you would protect their purity and guard their hearts. All these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. 
please visit the Student Ministries website at www.perimeter.org students for more information. Thank you.